As an entrepreneur or aspiring entrepreneur, how can you ensure the success of your business and your quality of life? This is Turn the Page with Hemda Mizrahi. This program will help you to identify and make necessary changes in your life and your business. You'll find the challenges that you're facing and solutions in the examples of lifelong business owners who have entrepreneurship in their DNA. You'll also learn from experts who've transformed their mindset and skills to become industry leaders. And now, here's your host, Hemda Mizrahi. Welcome to Turn the Page. I'm Hemda Mizrahi, joined by entrepreneur Stacy Brown Randall. Stacy is the creator of the Growth by Referrals program, which guides businesses in generating robust revenues through referrals. The core aspect of Stacy's strategy is that referrals are generated without actually asking for them. We'll share more about this. Stacy, welcome to the show. I'm really excited to hear more about your approach. Thank you very much for having me. So I know you have this wonderful entrepreneurial journey that you share a little bit about on your website, and I'm sure through the various learning experiences that you offer to your clients. I wanted to just touch on that briefly so listeners have a frame of reference in terms of how you evolved to where you are right now. Yes, it's funny. If you had told me 10 years ago that I would be running a business teaching people how to generate referrals without asking, I would have said, what's that? (laughs) So I do have an interesting background. You know, the reality of it is I'm doing what I'm doing today because I have a business failure in my background. And when I decided to learn the lessons from that business failure, when I decided I was like, okay, let's figure out what went wrong. One of the things that I learned was that I didn't have a way of touching business development every day. And when I say every day, I mean in a way that I'm willing to do. And so I worked really hard for every client I did bring into my first business, and it wasn't enough. And because I didn't find a way that worked for me, I never met the volume or the growth trajectory I needed to be on to survive. And so it failed. And so when I had a chance to go back out again on my own, I knew I had to, I had to fix that problem. I had to figure out some business growth strategies that were going to work for me. And then over time, I stumbled upon referrals and figured out something that was a little unique in the marketplace, which you hinted at in the introduction about generating referrals without asking. And now that is what I do when I work with my online students or my VIP clients is helping them crack that code of how to generate referrals without asking. I know you mentioned that it was when you launched your third business, actually, that you grew into that success and kudos to you also for being so determined. And it seems as though entrepreneurs, when you have a failure in your background, that's like a a credential that you're putting up on your wall, (laughs) essentially, right? That especially having the mindset that it's a learning experience. And although while you're going through it, you had mentioned that you had a consulting practice for four years, and that it was really hard to generate referrals with the approach that you were using at the time. And so obviously, that's a painful process. And I know you said you deferred to corporate work while you were figuring out Uh, this whole methodology that you have right now. And so you went from your consulting practice, and then you had a children's clothing line, and then you went into business coaching. And that's when you implemented this whole strategy, and you were able to get 112 referrals that first year that you were in business coaching. Yes, you know, it's funny, I think if I were to share that story the way you just shared it, my parents would 
say, it sounds to me like she just didn't want to have to go get a job. <laughs> because, you you know, for you said a consulting firm to a children's clothing line to a business coaching practice. I mean, it's just kind of crazy, but it is. I mean, I think I am one of those that would say I'm an entrepreneur at heart, but I come from a family of entrepreneurs. I mean, there's so many entrepreneurs in our family. And so that's quite normal to sit around Thanksgiving and Christmas and the holidays and talk about business. So not to say you can't be an entrepreneur without that. Of course, people are the first in their families to do it. But it was, it was some determination to know that I actually don't make a great employee and that's not a problem. It doesn't make me a bad person, but it does mean that if I'm going to have a business, it's going to have to be successful because it has to generate revenue. And it truly was just, you know, learning those lessons. And then, and to be honest, I learned lessons, but I want to be really like transparent with your listeners. It took a while to decide I was going to learn any lessons from that first business failure. I didn't need to learn any lessons from business number two, the children clothing line. That was pretty obvious. I didn't know how to sew. So why in the world do you start a business that's clothing based when you can't sew because you're relying on everyone else to help you? So that lesson was like, okay, that was just a little blip. But the lesson that came from that first business was that was really painful. And I had to pick myself back up off the ground and dust off the ego to really dive in to figure out what I did wrong. And going back to corporate America and having to get a job for about 18 months was really what allowed me to reflect and then be willing to talk about what happened. And that's when all the lessons came from it. And it was the reality of us. I can't have another failure. I've been there, done that. I need to have something else that would be more successful. But it's funny. I do have a, I had a graphic designer create me a business failure club badge. Um, that I actually put um, in different places in my office and stuff, just to remind me of where I don't want to go back to. You really have to lock in that resolve. And when you go to that conversion process of using the failure as a true learning experience, that's an incredible accomplishment. It is. And I think that one thing that's just important is to be honest, it's not like I failed and picked myself up and said, let's learn. It, It took some wound licking and ego crushing that I had to get over. But I do think that you are selling yourself so short if you're not willing to look back and reflect. And you don't need a business failure to do that. I mean, just a project or a new launch of a new line of something in your business that doesn't go according to plan, whereas it may not be a business failure. It may just be something that didn't work. I mean, there are lessons to look, to learn everywhere if we're just willing to pay attention and being willing to be a little self-critical and actually look back and look at things from a reality lens, not from a, our perception lens. Stacey, I know that your approach focuses on businesses in which building trust, where there's a strong human-to-human contact, there's that relationship-building component is really key. So I'm curious, since you had a consulting practice, which also has, I would guess, that strong human-to-human component, what was the difference for you in terms of business development when you had the consulting practice compared to when you implemented this approach for of growth by referrals? So that's a great question. I'm so glad you asked. Um, I think the important thing for, for folks to be able to acknowledge and when I kind of think about this is that when I had the consulting practice, and you're, you're right, consulting is very much human to human. And I don't, it doesn't matter to me if you're selling to a small company or selling to a big company, everybody buys from a human and everybody sells to a human. So when you think about generating referrals. It doesn't matter enterprise sale, 18-month sales cycle, or short-term, we buy in the first meeting, right? Like, it's still building that trust. And as a consulting firm, what I knew about referrals was everything that's out there today. 
which is if you want to generate referrals, just ask. I mean, there's books on it. There are books on how to ask and when to ask and the language to use to ask. And I found those books just like most people. And I cringed every time I read the script that expert who wrote that book wanted me to use. I mean, it's in the articles. You just Google generating referrals and majority of what's going to come up is asking for them. It's what we've been teaching for the last, I don't know, 30, 40 years is if you want to generate a referral, you're going to have to ask for it. And that never worked for me. It never sat well with me when I was my consulting firm. And when I thought about referrals, when I was starting my business coaching practice, I was like, no, because asking to me feels like a cousin to a cold call. And I'm not going to do that either. I just, for me, it's, I don't, I'm not asking to not be successful. I'm just trying to figure out a way that business development worked for me in a way that I could feel good doing it. Because if I felt good and authentic doing it, I was more likely to do it. And so the reason why I didn't generate any referrals is because I thought I had to ask and that didn't work for me. So I never asked. But what I learned when I actually kind of stepped back from my business failure and stepped into this business coaching practice that's evolved now into teaching people referrals is I just decided, I didn't decide this with my first business, but with this business, I just decided, no, I'm going to figure out there is a way to generate referrals and I'm going to do my research and understand the human dynamic and the psychology behind how referrals happen and why they happen and what makes them happen and really understand what a true referral is and not water it down with all this other kind of sales lingo that's out there. And from there, when I really started digging into what a referral was, I started trying different things. I was a guinea pig for my own business and I started having success. And then my clients started saying, hey, I know you're coaching, a, you're a business coach, but part of that's you know sales. So what are you doing to grow your business like crazy? You've got all these business, like, new clients. I'm like, oh, I have this referral process. And after teaching those first couple of clients my process, what I realized was it's actually a couple of steps and I just do them over and over and over again. And that allowed me to generate referrals without having to ask for them. So it was out of sheer necessity, I would say, that I had to, that I was good. I was determined to figure out business development in a way that worked for me. And I wanted it to be referrals. I just needed it to be different than the decades old advice that's out there now, which is you have to ask. So I just set out to figure it out differently. Well, let's talk about referrals in that case and how you would describe what a referral is and something about the lifeline of a referral, what it looks like. Yeah, so I think that's a really important piece that people have to understand is when I talk to people and they're like, oh, I got a referral the other day and then they'll describe to me what happened. And I'm like, that's not a referral. And I think the problem is, is that over time, the definition of a referral has been watered down by other sales lingo terms. So I'll, help, I'll hear people say, oh, I got a referral, right? And I'll be like, no, that was actually a warm lead. Or they'll be like, oh, I got a referral. I'm like, no, that was an introduction. And they'll say, oh, I got a word of mouth referral. I'm like, those are two totally different things. There's a word of mouth buzz and then there's a referral. And, you know, I think most people know a cold lead is a cold lead. A trade show lead is a trade show lead, right? A meet you at a networking event is that type of lead, right? Most people understand those. But when it comes to what's a warm lead, what's an introduction, what's word of mouth buzz, what's a referral, they, for one reason or another, they just group them all together. And the truth is a referral has two things that each of those other terms are missing. And a referral has the personal connection and the need identified. So the personal connection happens because the referral source to me introduces me or connects me with the person that they want to work with me. So the referral source is going to make sure that on the email, which is typically how it happens, so not always, 
is going to make sure that not only am I as a service provider copied on that email, but so is the person who has the problem, um, the prospective new client. And so we're, the three of us will be connected together. So there's a personal connection made. And the referral source has also identified why does Tom need to meet with Stacy, right? They've already identified Tom's need. Oh, Tom needs more business. He needs, and he'd like to do it through referrals. I'm going to tell you who can solve your problems. You've got to go talk to Stacy. So he's not, he's only going to connect, my referral source is going to connect me to Tom, but he's also going to state that this is Tom's problem. This is what Tom needs to solve. And I told him you could do that. So when the referral drops into my lap, which is typically dropping into my inbox, which is how it is for most people, I already know that Tom knows who I am. He already knows that my referral source trusts me or he would never have sent Tom you know, to me. And he already understands what his problem is. So now it's just a conversation to figure out if I can help him. Any other type of terminology around a type of prospect or how someone comes to you they are missing one or two or both of those pieces. When you think about a warm lead, a word of mouth buzz, or an introduction, they're just missing the key piece to referral, which is a personal connection and a need identified. Right. So in a sense, that person is coming to you in a very ripe way because there's already a synchronicity that's been established in terms of building some credibility and trust and also identifying you as the person who can meet a pressing need that that individual has. Yes. I mean, and I think that's the key piece of why referrals are so golden, right? It's because they show up already trusting you, as you said, already having their need identified so they know what problem they're trying to solve. You're not trying to spend the first meeting digging to find out if there is a problem you can solve. And they're less price sensitive because you already have a level of value established because somebody referred you because you are trusted by somebody else. And so they're just what I would refer to as quicker to close and they're ready to buy. You don't have to worry about selling them or, you know, no one wants to be sold to. They want to buy and referrals show up ready to buy. You just have to make sure you've got the right language and the right um, kind of, you know, way that you kind of handle the conversation to bring them to a place of knowing that you are the right person to hire. And so it's just an entirely different process and referrals have so much more value than any other type of prospect that would come to you through any other activity. Stacy, since your focus is on working with your clients to generate referrals without asking for them, I'm just wondering, through the example that you gave of the personal connection that's established, you might get an email introduction to a prospective client. Do you provide guidance to your clients in terms of how they can approach referring prospective clients to you? In terms of, let's say, as an example, content for the email, yes, you know, just let me know what the person's need is if you're going to be introducing us via email. Oh, sure. Yes. So when, when I I have some scripts that I provide to folks, it's called the flip scripts and it's provided to, you know, the people in my online program, my VIP programs. And it's the idea of when somebody says, Hey, I was talking about you to one of my clients. They definitely need you there. I gave them your contact information. They'll be in touch. Well, that's word of mouth buzz, right? So the need's been identified, but they never connected you with the person. So it's missing that second piece to be a referral. I provide, yes, to my to my students like, okay, so here's the language you need to flip a word of mouth buzz into a referral. And here's the language you need to flip an introduction into a, a referral. And here's the language you need to, to flip a warm lead into a referral. Because those are the three most common that people are going to deal with thinking that they're a referral. And I'm saying, no, they're not. We've got to make them a referral first. And so, yes, that's definitely, I mean, I think that 
when I think about the process that I teach people, there's, there's kind of like five steps that people go through. The language piece is critical. I mean, it really is a critical piece of making this all work. And that is the language we use after you've given us a referral, the language we use when we want to cultivate ongoing referrals from you, and the language we use when what you're sending us is actually not a referral and we want to flip it into one. So, But the language has to be authentic and it can't feel weird. It has to be conversational. And so I work really hard to make sure that, that my students and clients kind of have that information so that they can be more successful. I mean, to the fact that I even provide the language of, hey, when you meet for the first time with a new prospective client that's been referred, that first meeting language is totally different than a first meeting you would have with a prospect that you met at a trade show or that happened to answer your cold call. So the language we use throughout the entire process with referrals is important. And also because once you've been referred to me and I can remind you that you've been referred to me, you're actually more likely to refer me because I've planted the seed. I call it planting referral seeds as to how we do business. So what I never have to do is say, oh, by the way, do you know I grow my business through referrals? That's never going to come out of my mouth because I'm going to teach you how to do it differently with the right language so that you can plant the seeds and not have to make a direct ask or a direct statement like that. So in those scenarios, you're actually right. You're not asking, but what you're doing is you're offering the type of guidance through language that is a game changer when it comes to being offered a prospective client in a sense. Someone mentions to you, this person really needs your help, but you're actually providing the assistance to help that person come into your pipeline in a way that you feel at ease because there's a psychological component both for the prospective client and for you, right? In a sense that you're not chasing someone down, so to speak. When someone comes to you, there's a whole different aspect to how you can receive them. Absolutely. And I think everything changes when you start dealing with referrals. And I think that's the most encouraging piece that my students get to go through is to knowing, oh, I can actually handle a sales meeting in a different way and handle a first conversation in a different way. And I really do think the language piece is the secret sauce. What we're trying to do is build a habit in people to refer to us, or if they refer to us, build a habit in them to keep referring to us. And there's a few you know, key ways that we do that, but throughout all of it, the language that we use is what allows us to continue planting those seeds, which will eventually bloom, but it's just not, it's not overnight. And people teach people to ask for referrals because the thought process was that's the fastest way to get them. And whereas that may be true, it's also the fastest way to get ignored by people (laughs) if you're always asking. And it's more likely going to damage you in the short term and the long term than it will actually help you. So that's why we have to plant seeds and kind of build that habit within people. And to your point, you know, just make sure that we're getting into their consciousness in terms of who we are and what we do. And you've said, Through this approach, you're getting clients to say, I need you back. Absolutely. I mean, I think that when you are referable, lots of wonderful things start happening for your business. It's reminding them as they refer you to somebody how great you were for them. And maybe they need more of that or maybe it's time, right? I mean, I think there's just so many positive things that come out of building a business around referrals. And, you know, what I want people to understand is, is that not every business needs to generate all of their business by referrals. You know, I work with some people and they're just happy if they can generate 30 to 40% of their new clients through referral, because that would be 30 or 40% that they don't have to work too terribly hard at, like they do the rest of the time. And in some industries, that's about the best we can get. But if you're at five or 10%, it's a big deal for me to get you to 30 or 40%. Granted, I want to get you to close as 100% as I can get you, but I know that not everybody will get there. But 
any increase in generating business by referrals. Saves you time and makes you more money in the long run. So it is a strategy that every business should deploy. And it also depends on the kind of budget that the business has at the stage that they're in to invest in business development. It does, but I'll tell you, and this is, I think, what I love most about the process of generating referrals, at least how I teach it. I actually spend less money, right? Because I'm not running ads and I'm not spending money joining a bunch of networking groups and going to a hundred different rubber chicken lunches every day. And, you know, I, I actually spend less money and I find myself spending less time with my referral process. I was actually with one of my previous students the other day and she just said, she goes, I, th- she goes, I think that's the secret people don't understand is, is that, you know, when I decided to do this program, I could not take on more work. She's like, I recognized it was going to be some work. She was like, but I didn't need, you know, hundreds of hours of more things to do. She's like, in fact, when I put in the time to the process, it started to work. She's like, I stopped doing other things. So yeah, of course we can't will a referral into existence. There is work to be done. But I do tell people throughout it is, is that if you do it correctly, this could be the one thing that saves you time and makes you more money. And on top of that, you don't need a huge budget to generate referrals. I have many clients who come to me and just, you know, paying for the program is what there is the budget they have. Then we will build their referral generating plan on a shoestring budget. So they're not spending a lot of money after that. So, I mean, I think that that's just the, the piece people need to understand is, is that it's highly customizable to what's authentic and will work for you. And you've got to know the financial decisions that you can make because you can do this on a shoestring budget. You can also spend a bunch of money. I have clients who do that too. But the reality of it is, is that the process still works regardless of the amount of money you're going to put into it. But you have to put some time and energy and work into it. You know, there's no magic pill I can give you this morning and by this afternoon you'll have referrals. So that's not unfortunately how it works. And I think that's also a great point that you're bringing up is that in many instances of businesses, it could be a solopreneur or a small business or a different size business. There's only so much business that you might want to bring on. Maybe for some businesses that are more quality driven than volume driven, this referral based approach also is a very personalized way to be connecting with people who are going to be especially synchronous with what you do. And obviously that supports your reputation. If you're already bringing into your pipeline people who are going to be a great fit, who really reflect the unique brand that you bring to your work, it's more fun for you and it's more productive for them as well. Absolutely. I mean, a lot of the people I work with are like, you know, they're the the attorney that just started their own practice or the CPA that has a small practice or a business or a life coach that's a solopreneur, financial advisor that's out on their own. And the thought of having one more thing to do, right, in in an ongoing way feels like a lot of extra work when there isn't that much time and energy to go around. And there may only be one or two or three people in the office. And I built my system with that in mind because that's the life I know. But, you know, all of my businesses that I've started, it's been me. Now, that doesn't mean I don't have an army of contractors, but again, they're contractors. They're not employees. So the system is built for that solopreneur in mind. The good thing is it happens to work whether you have people to help you or not, but it can't be taxing for those that don't have a third arm because if it is taxing for them to do it, if it feels like a lot of work for them to do it, they won't do it, which means no one's winning. And that's not really what I'm after. I want people to be successful. When we talked a little bit, Stacey, about the types of businesses that benefit most from your program, would you want to add a little bit more about that? Yeah. So I think the best way to look at it is I help people who sell, like as you said earlier, H to H, so human to human, that, that's a handshake to handshake. I've got to know, like, and trust you, not always meet you, but I have a phone call or face-to-face meeting to know, like, and trust you to decide that we're going to work together. So I refer to those as trust-based sales 
professionals or in relationship building type businesses where I've got to build relationships with my clients for them to say yes to working with me. So financial advisors, it could also be insurance agents, business and life coaches, realtors, commercial real estate brokers. I've worked with home builders, interior designers, and the list kind of goes on and on in terms of who those people are. It's just not typically retail and it's not typically online. That my, my process, I don't know those spaces all that well. So I don't pretend that my program would work for them. And that's from the online businesses or the retail businesses. But it does work for those that like, hey, before I give you all my money to manage, right, before I tell you all my business problems or all my life problems, before I decide to let you help me buy my $500,000 home or sell my $300,000 home, I've got to trust you that you're the person I want to work with. Those type of people are uniquely qualified to truly be able to generate referrals because we're already starting from a baseline of relationships and relationships are at the heart of how referrals happen. So, you know, I mean, I've worked with like the freelance photographer all the way up to the wealth manager. So there's not like just one type it works for. But at the end of the day, as long as you're building relationships with your clients for them to trust you to do business with you, you're in the right place. Right. So it's a lot of the professional services companies in which the customer experience and that human to human interaction are really key. Yes. Let's talk about this five-step process of yours for generating referrals without asking. So I think it's sometimes interesting when people are like, wait, it's only five steps. I'm like, yes, it's only five steps. <laughs> so it, it's not built to be complicated. The first thing you have to know is the first, and I always say step one, and of course, I think it's the most important, though you may hear me say that more than once because actually I think every step is important, but nothing happens if we don't do step one. And step one is identifying who refers us. We have to be able to know who is referring us. That's an important piece of the puzzle for us to actually know who our referral sources are. That's what one thing people don't recognize is. is so step one is who refers you now? Or if you don't have a lot of referral sources, who should be referring you? And we can start from both places. And I have people come with no referral sources and we have to identify who should be and people who show up with referral sources. But we've got to know who. We either know what they should be like or who they already are. And most people find themselves as a hybrid of, I've got some referral sources, but I need more. And others are like, I've got none and I need more. And so every once in a while, I'll have someone who has a good number of referral sources, but it doesn't matter. The first thing we have to do is identify who should refer us or should, who is referring us or should be referring us. So that's step one. Step two is to actually, you should always have an immediate thank you process in your business. So you should always be focused on when a referral is received, how do you immediately follow up? Now, this is not the process. Most people think, oh, I just got to write handwritten thank you cards and more referrals will come in. I'm like, no, <laughs> but it is a foundational piece that you've got to have a process that when you receive a referral, that a thank you note that is handwritten goes out the door. And when I say handwritten, I don't mean by your secretary or assistant or your sister or your child. I mean by you. And that's a key piece because what a handwritten thank you note says that an email and a phone call can't say is that, wow, you really took some time. Granted, you probably took three minutes, but you really took some time to write this and you didn't have to because it would have been easier to just shoot me an email. And I'm not saying you can't immediately think by an email, but within 24 to 48 hours, a thank you note handwritten should get in the mail and get out the door. And there should be an almost an automatic process that you follow with that. I um, mean, that's one of the things that I teach is kind of that automatic process. So there's, you know, no referral left behind, right? That everybody who sends a referral actually receives a thank you for it. So that's step two. Step three is, is that well, yes, we want to have a process to how to thank you for your referrals when you send them. But I also want to have a process where I'm reaching out to you to kind of plant those referral seeds to keep receiving referrals from you. So what do I do in between the, when the referrals have been received? And so for that, we create a one-year plan or a 12-month plan. 
And we follow some basic principles that I always say you have to have if you want this plan to work. And and what I'm talking about is, is that we want a one-year plan full of outreach, which I refer to as touch points, that keep you top of mind. And what I don't mean is keeping in touch, because keeping in touch is entirely separate from top of mind. Top of mind means that I've been memorable and meaningful, and you are more likely to remember me, because keeping in touch is, I'll more likely forget you because you're just keeping in touch. I want to be top of mind, I want you remembering me more often because the outreach I'm doing in that 12-month plan is memorable and meaningful. And I refer to that as just remembering your M&Ms. So memorable and meaningful is what we're after. And that's a crux of the program that I teach walks people through, well, what the heck goes in that plan, right? Because, and I'm not, and I actually tell folks those touch points, those outreach touch points we're looking to do in that 12 month, we're actually not going to do 12. And I think that's a relief to people. I'm like, we're going to aim for four to eight because if they're memorable and meaningful, I don't need to do something every month. And I think that's a huge relief to people because they're like, oh, so it's not as much work as I thought. I'm like, that's correct. It's not as much work as you thought, but there is some work. Then step four is, is that That secret sauce piece I always talk about is weaving in the critical language to actually plant referral seeds. So when you send that touch point idea, right, what are you going to say? Why are they receiving it? What are you going to be able to plant from a referral seed? Because you're not going to say, and send me some referrals in that touch point. So what's the language you're going to use that goes along with that outreach with that touch point for the four to eight times that you do it throughout the course of the year? And that is really what I like to refer to as a secret sauce because the language and the ideas that I help people create for their 12-month plan with that right language is really what makes it work. That's what makes all the pieces come together and work. And then the fifth step is just automating the plan so that it's not as much work. I mean, you will have to do some work, but we can certainly automate it and systematize some of it. And then we're going to measure our results. And that's the back half of step five is we're going to automate the plan and then measure the results because if it's not working, we need to fix it. And we're going to be really measuring for two main metrics, which is, did you receive more referrals after you started the plan? And did you take somebody who maybe referred you two or three people a year? And all of a sudden, after being on the plan, now they're referring you five or six people. Like, did we increase the number of referrals from our referral sources? And did we receive more referrals? And again, it's a long-term game. It's not a short-term fix. And so we have to make sure we're following the process. And But I tell folks, we build this so that you can wash, rinse, repeat it for the next year and the next year and the next year. And I think I'm on my fourth or fifth year now with my referral plan, and I still keep generating over 100 referrals every year. I mean, I change things up, but it's the same basic things I've done all along for the last number of years just washing, rinsing, and repeating that plan that I know I can count on those 100 plus referrals every year. So I'm not worried about where my new business is coming from. Stacy, can you offer an example of the, of the different steps just so that we understand a little bit more concretely? For example, step number one, when you're talking about who is referring people to you or who should be referring, and you have the whole process of automation, just so that we understand a little bit more clearly what those steps could look like. Well, so if you're identifying who refers you, it's it's basically just if you kept up with how your clients became your clients, you should be able to pull a report within your business. Now, here's here's the thing with that. Most people can't. I have had a number of business folks lately get really frustrated because they're like, oh my gosh, it took you, Stacy, telling me that I should be tracking where these people come from in a way that I can actually have it available. And I've been in business 15, 20 years. And so it can frustrate people when they're like, I should have been tracking this all along. Like, I have a Facebook group called Referrals Without Asking. It's a free Facebook group. And there was an attorney in there and he was like, oh my gosh. He goes, why did I not think to do this? Like, 
you know, over a decade ago when I started my firm. And the reality is, is that it is, you know, something we need to be tracking, but most people don't think about it. So I always tell folks is that you, you need to be tracking the referrals received and knowing who they came from. So, you know, I, I track who's the referral source, who did they refer me, the prospective new client's name, and when. And then sometimes I, you know, I'll track outcome as well, but in the moment, because outcome hasn't happened, in the moment I'm just tracking when did I receive it, who did it come from, and what, who do they refer? And those are just the three pieces I'm tracking. And, you know, if, if folks go to my website, they'll be able to download a free referral tracker. You know, they can definitely get that. And it's, you know, in some of the, the um, articles that I have on my website, but I use Excel. Like, I mean, it couldn't be any more easier, but if you have a CRM, a client relationship management tool, and you've been capturing where people come from, like, oh, Susie came in as a client and the source in the CRM is telling me it was a referral from Tom, right? Then you should be able to generate a report for that. And so if you don't have that, then you've got to sit down with a list of your clients and you've got to do a walk down memory lane and you've got to come up with where did you find out about, like, how did they find out about you? And sometimes the files will tell you notes you have in the first call. Like sometimes you can piece together that stuff. I've had other people who are like, you know what, I'm just going to use this as an opportunity to call my clients and ask them. I should have tracked this and did it. I'd love to know how you found me. And sometimes people can't remember and sometimes they can. But you know, the reality of it is it's like taking an opportunity to plant a seed because if the person says, oh yeah, I was referred to you, right, by Stacy, they're like, oh, great, perfect, right? I mean, like it's planting a seed that, hey, you work off referrals because Stacy referred me to you. But you're not saying that and you're not after that initially just as a benefit. So coming up with that list can be hard. and but you still have to sit down and do it. And then if you come up with a list and you're like, well, all my clients come through Google searches and Facebook ads and you know through my website, and none of them come through referrals, well, then we have to take a step back and we got a little bit more work to do. We've got to identify who should be referring you. And then we've got to go create relationships and build relationships with those people. So we got to take a step back to go forward. But you know, it's it's all a process. You just have to follow it. And it's you know definitely something I've talked to people over and over and over again. So it's not difficult, but there is work involved. So, I mean, that's probably the best way I could kind of explain what it looks like to truly identify who refers you. Right. And you point out also the distinction between referrals and sales and your sales and marketing strategy, which you gave an example of social media and Google searches that would could be under the umbrella of a sales and marketing strategy, which is still distinct from more of the personalized interaction that is involved with referrals? Yes. So there are dozens of types of ways that a client can show up. Referrals is just one of them, right? So we talked about it. Maybe they came through social media or Facebook ads or LinkedIn. You know, maybe they came through a networking event or a direct mail piece. Maybe you cold called them or cold emailed them. Maybe you, you know, went up to them to speak to them because you saw them on a panel, right? At an event. Maybe you, they came up to your booth in a trade show. There are so many different ways that people can come to you as a prospective new client. The only ones we're interested in for the purpose of this five step process is which are the ones that came from another human that were actually referred to you. And so it's actually a great exercise for people to do. If they sit down with their list of clients and go back as far as they're willing, I always ask for two or three years if they have two or three years to go back. But I've had some clients go back seven years, which is like amazing. And then they got tired and stopped. But And some clients that can push a button and generate that report for all the years they've been in business. But it's actually a really great exercise to figure out, do you even know where you're spending your sales and marketing dollars from an ROI perspective? 
And some people would say, you know, I spend thousands of dollars every year on this print magazine ad. And then I did this process and I went back and I looked and realized not one person ever told me they saw me in the magazine. Now, maybe you're not advertising in a magazine for a direct return on investment of a direct client, but you do it for brand reputation. Well, then fine, you're doing it for a different reason. But I have had people who've gone through this process being like, wow, I thought I generated more, more clients or more prospective clients through X way. And in reality, I didn't do any. I'm like, then why are you spending money there? So it's also a great opportunity to really hone in on the return on investment, your different sales and marketing tactics or activities may be doing. My job is always, if you think about all the different activities and tactics you can do in sales and marketing and all the ones I just listed out and think of them all as like they they get a slice of the pie, right? They all have a piece of the pie. And one of those slices of pie is referrals. My goal is, is when I work with folks, is to take that piece of pie that is the referral pie. And maybe it's sitting next to networking and cold calling, right? But my goal is to take that piece of pie and make it as big as I can so that it eliminates and removes the need for other pieces of that pie within that sales and marketing strategy perspective. And that's the ultimate goal. I may not eliminate all of them, but I'm gonna eliminate as many as we can because you're gonna be able, because I'll have you tracking it, you'll know if it's working or not. Right, so it's just in terms of looking at who's referring or who should be referring to you, that whole inventory process is what you emphasize and you help people to dig deeper into that. Right. And and I'll tell you, most people will tell you step one feels like the most amount of work. And it's true. It's actually the one I'm always willing to talk about. It's not one that's like hidden behind paid content or anything like that. It's the one I talk freely about and encourage people to do. Um, because I know that if you have that step done before you ever start with me, the hard work's done. What's coming is fun. But if you don't have it done before you start working with me, then obviously I do know that you know, getting that done is a, is a key piece to starting this process correctly, which is why that's step one. And then an extension of that personalized approach that you talk about in step two is having that immediate thank you process you mentioned within 24 to 48 hours where you're actually doing something handwritten to show that you took the time to express your appreciation and make an, really make an impression also on the folks who are entrusting you with the referrals. Yes, absolutely. And this should be the simplest process you have, to be honest, in your whole business. <laughs> I mean, it should just be automatic. You should always have a stack of thank you cards and stamps handy, and you should always be ready to write that note and send it out. You know, the only time you have to think about changing up the language in that handwritten note is when you're writing someone thank you cards over and over and over again. <laughs> Sometimes we want to acknowledge that you're getting their game, but they get a thank you card for every single referral or they send them three days apart or three months apart. So it's the easiest process, but it is a piece that you have to have in place for the rest of the information, the rest of the process or the steps to work. And then in step three, when you're looking at developing the one-year plan where you have touch points that are memorable and meaningful, Essentially, you're coming back to that same group in step one. Who are the people who were referring? Who are the people who should be referring? Yes. So when we build that one-year plan, you hit the nail on the head. When we built that one-year plan, we, we know from step one who we're building it for. Oh, so this list of 10 people who refer me and this list of 15 people that I wish were referring me, this is the plan. This is the process. This is the outreach, the touch points that I'm going to do for them over the course of 12 months. You know, we build the plan after we know who we're doing it for or who we would like to do it for. And in some ways, you know, we may have multiple groups because sometimes if you have a too big of a list, you got to figure out a way to break them down. I was talking with an insurance agent this morning and he had a huge list of 
had about 15 people who currently refer him and then a list of probably another 50 that he wanted to be referring him. Now think insurance agent, we're thinking, you know, there's volume here, so that's not unusual. Most people I say hit in the dozen to two dozen range, but he was much more than that. And the reality of what I told him is, is I said, you know, you need to have one level of people who've referred you and then another level of the people who you want to refer you because these, those experiences that that experience that we create over those 12 months with those touch points they're going to look different for people who have referred versus people who you want to refer right so this is always coming back to being in depth with your strategy so that as you mentioned you can optimize your ROI correct and that connects with step 4 which you mentioned is the secret sauce looking at the critical language that you can use in these various touch points in these thank yous to plant receipt seeds for referrals. Yes. And I think it, people build the plan in step three. And then in step four, it's learning what to say for the plan you just built. That's, I think, what makes, and it's nothing, none of this is magic, but it's, you know, like I said, that's when the magic starts, right? It's understanding the, how those two pieces fit together. So, yes. So, while you're not asking directly, you're offering yourself as a facilitator in situations where people are recognizing the match between what it is that you offer and your style and another person's need. You're helping them along in that process you know, to move forward, making the connection. Right. What you just said, we're not ever stating that. Uh, what the language is that we use in these touch points is we're really showing a lot of gratitude and we're really connecting it back to the appreciation we have for the support of our business. Now, in different situations, we use different type of language and we have to connect to the why are we doing this touch point? And then we connect it to, you know, being thankful. And, you know, then there's some typical referral seed sentences that we'll add in there. So it's typically what we're doing comes from a place of gratitude and thank you and I appreciate you and what can I do for you kind of a thing. We're never using those touch points to explain the business that we are in or to let them know how a referral works. Like some of those other pieces are just outliers to the process that you just need to know to have a fully functioning referral plan. The language that we use is just critical to planting the seed, to building the habit, to generate referrals. So there's a distinction between doing that and having an approach that would be considered to be more manipulative, where you're not coming from that same place. Right. This comes from a place of gratitude and authenticity. And if you can't come from that place, Everybody will be able to tell and it'll show. And that's what I tell folks is that I believe my program works and has worked not only for me, but for my hundreds of students that have gone through it. I believe that it works because for those that it has worked for, they come from a very, a very genuine place and being very authentic. And they are truly thankful for the referrals they receive. And because they start there, this process can work for them. If they start from a place of, I'm going to write this really cool thank you note and send this really cool gift because I'm going to manipulate this person into wanting to give me more referrals, that's never going to work. That is not how the universe <laughs> rewards people. I mean, maybe in the short term, maybe sure, I guess, but in the long term, that's not how it works. And so it really does come from a place of, you got to recognize the value of of your referral sources, and then you have to be willing to show gratitude for the value that they bring to your business. And I think when you think about how easy a referral source makes your life because they drop business into your lap, most people would be like, of course, I want to thank them. And there's a way for me to continually to thank them in memorable and meaningful ways with the right kind of language, though, that'll hopefully generate more referrals back to me. But that's not where we start from. 
it comes from that spirit that exists when you have those authentic relationships that are mutually fulfilling. Absolutely. Givers receive. And just in terms of automating the plan, can you offer an example of what you mean? So sure. A lot of times when it comes to automating the plan, I actually don't recommend that you're going to outsource this to any like third-party tools to do any of the work for you. So I'm, I try to be really careful when I talk about automating the plan. When I talk about like, you know, notes you're going to send out or, you know, cards you're going to send out, nowhere will you ever hear me say that then send out cards should become the tool to automate you sending out your thank you cards. Now, send out cards has definitely evolved over years and there is the ability to just buy cards from them and you write the notes. So, you know, in that way it works, but there's not a tool necessarily that's going to automate all this for you. There is work to do. What we talk about when we automate it is, is we build it in a way so that we know what to do and when to do it and how we're going to do it so that we can make it happen. So if I'm doing Christmas cards or Hanukkah cards at the end of the year, I'm not thinking about that in February or March, but it better be in my task list or on my calendar or in a way to remind me that come November, I better be thinking about that process and building it out so I can execute on that process. So it's not always the automation of you build it, never touch it again. That is not how this works. But if you build it and you follow it and it brings you clients like never before, trust me, it'll be the one process you want to do over and over and over again. So sometimes we think of technology when the word automate comes (laughs) up and it seems as though you're talking about the whole idea of just really making this an integrated and seamless part of how you conduct yourself in your life as a business person and making it as efficient as possible. Right, exactly. Stacey, I want to thank you so much for all of this food for thought and this enticement to get deeper into the language part of the whole process that you involve your clients in. And I would love for you to share the learning opportunities that are available to your clients. Absolutely. So, you know, we kind of started off talking about one of what I would call the deadly sins if you want to generate referrals, which is asking for them. There are actually seven. So actually seven deadly sins of generating referrals or what I call the no-nos if you want to generate referrals. So I would love to provide that to your listeners as a free download for them to get that report and kind of read it. But if they go to growthbyreferrals.com forward slash turn the page, they'll be able to download the seven deadly sins of generating referrals for free. And while they're there, they'll also see that there's a link if they want to join the free Facebook page to referrals without asking. And there's a great nine question assessment quiz that they can take to figure out where do they stand with their ability to generate referrals? Are they at the master level or are they at the beginner level? Are they somewhere in between? So all those free resources are on that page, growthbyreferrals.com forward slash turn the page, and they will be able to to access that information and hopefully it'll help them with their journey and teach them a little bit more of what we weren't able to cover today. That's phenomenal. And I know you mentioned also there's a referral tracker template that you offer via your website as well. Yes, they just need to go to the website and go to the blog, the article section on the blog, and look for the lost referral. That's the title of that. Um, It's one of my most popular blog posts. So they just need to go look for the lost referral. That's the title of the article of the blog post, and they'll be able to download the referral tracker. You offer also a number of opportunities to go deeper You have the Referral Accelerator Live Workshop, which is a group experience? It is, yes. It happens once a year, typically fourth quarter this year, 2017. It's coming up on December 8th. And it's just the opportunity for people who want to do this live. So there's the Referral Accelerator. Most people, though, end up usually doing the online program. 
which means you can sit in your pajamas at 2 a.m. from anywhere in the world and go through the video module program, learning how to put all these pieces together and getting all the resources you need. And when you're done, you go through it a couple hours. It's usually what it takes to go through it all. You have a fully created 12-month plan with the language that you need. And then, of course, some people are like, I just want access to Stacy. So I have VIP programs as well where someone can just spend four hours one-on-one with me virtually or, or live if they want to come to where I am. And we actually build the plan together. So it's three different ways that people can work with me. It hits all the different price points from a budget perspective. But, you know, I always tell folks the, the best thing you can do is take the, the time to figure out which is the one that's right for you and then know that you'll always get support from me on the back end, whichever one you choose. I love that you have such a variety of opportunities for individuals to benefit based on where they are and and what their learning curve is. Yes, absolutely. We all learn differently. You want to offer a quick soundbite about your book that's coming up in the new year? (laughs) Yes, thank you for remembering. I am very excited. I don't have the official title yet. The manuscript that was accepted by the publisher, that title already exists. So we'll be getting another one. But the book is all about what we talked about today. It's how you generate referrals without asking. So because I don't want anyone to ever ask for another referral. So that book will come out. The publisher says, fingers crossed, August or September 2018. We'll look out for that. And I want to encourage listeners also to go to the link that Stacy suggested that's specific to turn the page so that you can access all these wonderful resources. And thank you again, Stacy, for this wealth of information that I think is going to offer a very welcome boost to many. Yes, thank you for the opportunity. I appreciate it. Sure, and I want to invite listeners also, if you have comments or unanswered questions about today's episode, you can share them by emailing me at hosthemda at gmail.com. You can also share comments and questions by following me on Twitter at Hemda Mizrahi and liking us on Facebook at Life and Career Choices. Until next time, as always, remember to make the grass greener where you are. I'm Hemda Mizrahi inviting you to turn the page. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Turn the Page. Turn the Page is sponsored in part by Life and Career Choices, Inc. Host Hemda Mizrahi invites you to email her at hosthemda at gmail.com to explore becoming a sponsor or affiliate of the show. Until next time, make one change that will benefit your life and your business.